often as Christians, we can, you know, we take the things of Jesus and we read the Bible and, you know, we try and take as much of it in as we can and we start fellowshipping with other Christians and we start getting involved in different ministries and stuff like that and we start getting involved in worship or, or we really do whatever, but we tend to leave evangelism or preaching the gospel to people till later on because we think, I need to know a certain amount of stuff before I go and do it. And then we grow in all these other things and we grow in our prayer life and our reading the word, but we don't grow in preaching the gospel and it kind of just sits there and then we sort of become too afraid to do it because we're never doing it. And then it starts to get really scary when we start thinking about it and we start challenging ourselves and we think, you know what, I really need to do something here, but I don't know how to do it because I've never done it before. I've never seen anyone do it before. How do these guys do it? What have they got? You know, are they just courageous? I, I'm not like that. You know, so, so this fear tends to take over us when we want to talk to people about Jesus, but we're supposed to do it. Um, there was a quote, I can't remember who said it, but they said, it doesn't matter whether you're an evangelist or not, you'd better be preaching the gospel to some degree. And if you're not preaching the gospel, then you'd better be dead. <laughs> you know, so I'm um, good on that person. Okay, so, I'll see if this works. Oh, I won't point it at the, the screen, I'll point it at the thing that makes it change, but it's not changing. Yes, I did. You know what? Would you guys just be able to change it for me? Because if I press it too many times, I'm afraid it's not going to move for a while, and then it's just going to go all the way through. Thank you. The first point I want to make is uh, we need to know our environment. Uh, can we please turn to John chapter 7? And we're really just going to stay in John 7, but we're going to be sort of reading different passages. This is where Jesus goes to the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, just before verse 10, I'll give you a little bit of context. The Feast of Tabernacles is coming up, and Jesus' brothers, who don't believe that he is the Christ, come to him and say, you know, since you're a public figure, you, you, know, you don't want to act in secret. You want to move around and, and do all your public things, you know, do your miracles and stuff like that. Make people see you. And Jesus really responded with well that sounds all well and good to you guys but that's not the right thing for me to do right now and I'm not going to try and explain that to you because you think you know any time is good but God's timing is different and so Jesus said you go don't worry about me but then Jesus goes up by himself and he doesn't go as a public figure he goes in secret so that's where we're going to read from However, after his brothers had left for the feast, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the feast, the Jews were watching for him and asking, Where is that man? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, He's a good man. Others replied, No, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything public about him for fear of the Jews. Now, this whole point I want to make about knowing your environment was... The reason Jesus went up to the Feast of Tabernacles, you know, everyone was congregating, everyone was there for the whole week. Um, he didn't want to go as a public figure because he didn't want to be seen, he didn't want to be noticed. What he wanted to do was suss out the situation. He wanted to see what people were talking about. What's, what's the general goss here? What are people thinking? What's going on in the hearts of these people? And the, the, one of the reasons he did this was because it 
It gave him an avenue of approach. You read in the next bit, Not until halfway through the feast did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. You know, he's waited for a good few days to listen to people talking about him and about the feast and about all kinds of things and watching some of the, you know, um, ceremonies take place and the traditions and the things they do. And, you know, in our own setting, I mean, most of us here work, some of us here go to school, you know, we're, hopefully all of us have families, you know, we've all got a setting where we're around people that don't know Jesus. And, you know, I used to think, oh, how, how am I going to tell these people about Jesus? What am I going to say? What am I going to do? You know, one of the best ways to do it is just to get to know the people first, find out where they're at. Often we can think, oh, well, let's wait for people to just come into church and then we'll tell them about Jesus. But we're meant to go into all the world, aren't we? Yes, thank you. Amen. I'll pray for the rest of you. No, I'm kidding. But No, I won't. You know, we, we need to know people. We need to understand people. It, it's not about people coming to meet us. We meet people where they're at. And then we present Jesus in whatever way relates to them. And it's not about, it's not about changing the gospel or watering the gospel down. That's not what I'm saying. But whenever Jesus preached the gospel, he did it in a way that someone would understand. To the woman at the well, he said, I will give you living water. To Nicodemus, he said, you need to be reborn spiritually. And, you know, we read later on in this chapter, he talks about water again, and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. We need to be relatable to people. That means we need to know people. We need to know how they think. Okay, this is one of the biggest responsibilities we have in evangelism. We need to know how to reach people. It, it's really not that hard. Just get to understand someone and understand how they think. That's really it. That often comes through relationship. It's quite simple. And usually through a path of relationship, if you've got your heart set in the right place, you're going to fall in love with the person anyway. And that makes evangelism a lot easier because then they know you're genuine. So this is called wisdom in our approach. And this is like the biggest responsibility we have, really. So the next point I want to make is... Yes, truth divides. So, we'll go to verse 37 and 43. 37-43. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Others said, He is the Christ. Still others asked, How can he be the Christ? How can the Christ come from Galilee? Does not the scripture say that the Christ will come from David's family and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. I mean, I used to think when I read this verse that, come on, it's Jesus. Shouldn't he be able to convince everybody? He's so powerful, you know. 
he's supposed to have people flocking to him. Why can't Jesus convince them? The thing is, I mean, I can't convince everybody either. It doesn't matter what I say. You know, so I will preach the gospel. Let's say I'm preaching the gospel to my mates. You know, a couple of them have accepted Christ as a result. And some of them have gone, you know what, Jamie, this makes a lot of sense. The, the, you know, the wheels are spinning and I'm, I'm understanding all of this. It sounds really good. And then I say, what do you want to do about it? And then they say, I'll think about it. And then they don't do anything. Quite often, I mean, I used to think all the time that I had to not only lead the horse to water, but I had to make it drink. You know, you're not, you're not going to be able to do that unless you're Dwayne Johnson. It's not going to happen. I can't, I can't force anyone to do anything. See, what happens is truth exposes our motives, whether we like it or not. And there's no truer truth than the gospel, is there not? And so whether a person likes it or not, whether they want to hear it or not, the gospel will expose their heart to you, to themselves. And so here's the thing. If they desire their own comfortability more than they desire truth, I mean, we tend to call that being selfish. I don't care about what truth there is in it. I don't care about how it's going to help me or help other people. I'm comfortable with where I am. You know, I don't want to move outside my little comfort zone. The gospel will still hit them. God's word won't, you know, return to him void. It always leaves an imprint in someone. When you speak the gospel, it doesn't matter whether you think they listen or not, it's always going to hit them. But they have the decision to either react or respond. And they're going to react if they desire comfortability more than they care about what's real. They will respond if they really want truth in their life and they don't necessarily care about being comfortable. You know, they're prepared to sacrifice comfortability for truth. They want the real thing in their life. That's the difference. So it's our responsibility to speak the gospel, to talk about Christ. It's not our responsibility to convert people. Jesus did not call us to convert people. And that should take a bit of pressure off us. Because I often used to think that I'll get this wrong. I'll say the wrong thing. They'll get offended. What will they think of me? I'm going to make a mistake. I would do it all the time. I think we've all thought like that sometimes. It can be a scary thing to preach the gospel. It really can. Even today, I still get scared sometimes, but I mean, there's no point hanging on things that don't matter. The gospel does its own work. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces to dividing soul and spirit, uh, bone and marrow. It judges the thoughts and actions of the heart. It is a powerful thing. I'm not preaching the word of Jamie. Angus does not preach the word of Angus. Ruth does not preach the word of Ruth. Christina does not preach Christina's word. We all preach the word of Jesus, don't we? And therefore, that should take a little bit of pressure off us because it's not up to me what someone else decides. It's their life. 
So, that really leads me into my next point and to my next slide. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. Don't worry. We worry too much. We put too much pressure on ourselves to get everything done as if God has nothing to do with us talking to people about Jesus. It says it right there. We did read it out, but I'm going to read this little bit again. Just that one verse. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Jesus put the onus on the other person. He still made the gospel presentation open. He still said, you know, I'm here. There is life in me. Come and, you know, drink from me. But he said, it's up to you. It's not up to me to make you do anything. You have to decide for yourself. So not even Jesus, out of all people, the one who this is all about and the one whom we preach, not even he put pressure on himself. So we shouldn't either. If we are putting pressure on ourselves, you know, we start to ask all the questions, which usually sort of revolve around, all the questions start off with, what if? You know, what if this happens? What if I do this? What if they think this? That's a sure sign that we're putting our faith in ourselves and not God. That means we've put too much responsibility on ourselves. There's a difference between being wise in our approach and being wise in evangelism and owning responsibility and owning the show and pushing God out of it. If I find myself asking too many questions, then I realize I've already lost the game because I'm thinking that I'm going to do this without God. And so when you start thinking that, you need to catch yourself and you need to submit it to Jesus straight away. And that'll shut it down and then you, know, you should be right as rain after that. You should be able to think, instead of, oh, what if this happens? Think, how can we make this happen? You start to get proactive in your thinking about how you're going to reach someone with the gospel and how you're going to you know, help bring transformation into their life or, or help them out practically or something like that. Instead of, what if they react? So your thinking changes. Okay. This is a very quick sermon, guys. Short, sharp, and shiny. I love it. Okay. So let's, uh, let's go to the last slide. Okay. So, number one, know your environment. Know your people. Love your people. Fall in love with them. Have a bit of God's perspective on a person. Don't look at where they're at. Look at where they will be. That's going to require a bit of God's perspective and you're going to have to ask for it. But also understand how they think. Understand what relates to them. You know, Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. You know, streams of living water will flow from within him. He was using an example that they did at the Feast of Tabernacles. They used to get a cup and they used to put it in a natural spring that was at the bottom of the temple. And they used to carry it up the temple steps and everyone used to follow them and, you know, rejoice and say, yippee, you know. And then they used to pour it out onto the altar. 
that was supposed to be the living water. And Jesus was saying, what you guys have been doing every single day for the last couple of days, that's me. If you want real life, come and drink from me. So he was using a picture that they understood to talk about himself. So you need to talk in a language that someone is going to understand. You need to use a picture that someone is going to understand. You don't use the same remedy for different kinds of sicknesses. I don't know who says that, but that's a saying as well. You don't apply the same thing to every single wound. You apply what relates. You apply what works. So different people speak in different ways. And if you'd like to learn more about that, just look at the way Jesus did it. Look at the way he reached people. Look at the way he spoke to them in their own personal situation. You know, I had the the great privilege of leading a a, a young kid to the Lord this week. Um, And, you know, he's got some real things going on in his life, right? And he has a lot of trouble, and he's really angry, and he's got a lot of emotional issues. And... And I, and I got to lead him to the Lord, but it's taken quite a lot to, to, to get there. I mean, during our conversation, I explained how he feels and, and what he's going through and, and why he believes those things, you know. But it's taken me nearly three terms to get to know him, to be able to understand him and to bring him to this point. I mean, it's not always going to take that long, or it might take five years, you know. Every person is different. But it's taken me quite a long time to get to know this kid to bring him to the point where he's at. So, what in your situation can you do? What in your situation can you think of? How can you relate to people? How can you prove that you care about them? What can you do to reach someone? You know. Let's be proactive about thinking about these things. Okay. Uh, next point truth divides that's what the gospel does people will always have opinions about what truth is but when they hear the gospel it will do something to them and they will either react or they will respond we can't control that and we shouldn't think that we have control over how someone else will respond to the gospel sometimes our manner of presentation will make a difference I mean if I walked up to Janitas and I didn't know she knew Jesus and I just scruffed her and said you're going to hell if you don't accept Christ I mean what do you think she'd do I'd 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 move to another country and change my name so so, you know we still got to be wise in our approach but at the end of the day it's up to someone else okay last point don't worry pressure anxiety all those kinds of things they don't really belong in preaching the gospel if they're there in our mind we need to root it out think Why is this happening? Why am I thinking this way? Am I really submitted to Jesus in the way I think in every part of my life? Sometimes we can give Jesus one part of our life and not give him another part. We're supposed to give him all of ourselves. So evangelism is really a good way to find out 
just how much we are submitted to Christ. Quite often, and I've still done it sometimes, I've, you know, I've been driving past or I've been walking past someone and I've had this urge to you know, go and talk to them about Jesus and I said, no, what if? And then I don't do it. And then I walk away and I feel like a big idiot. And then sometimes I have gone and preached the gospel to someone and they've sort of, you know, well, thank you. Don't worry about it. Well, that's okay. I've still walked away and maybe they didn't give their lives to Jesus there. That's okay. I still did what God asked me to do. And that's a much better feeling. Okay. Most of us know what Romans 1.16 says. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Gospel is truth that transforms lives. Amen? Amen? Oh, hallelujah. It is the truest truth. I mean, maths is truth, isn't it? But maths didn't change my life. It didn't heal me of all the burdens in my heart. It has helped shape some of the way I think. But it didn't, it didn't bring restoration into my life. It didn't inspire me to go and change other people's lives. Only the gospel's done that to me. Only the message of Jesus Christ has done that to me. Only Jesus living inside me has done that to me. The gospel is the most powerful thing, and we should be excited about presenting it to other people. Because it's everything we live for. It's everything I live for. Everything else flows out of my relationship with Jesus. The way I treat my family, the way I think about my family, the way I, you know, I want to be there for my friends, the way I want to be there for strangers, it all comes down to the gospel. It is central to our faith. I hope that excites everyone. You know, it's... Let's say you're at work or you're at school. How, how do people look at you? Do they think, do, I mean, do they feel inspired around you? Or, you know, I mean, everyone has different personalities, but do they think, you know what, I honor that person because they're strong or they're wise or, or they're loving or I, I feel like I'm something else when I'm around them, you know? Do people feel that around you? You know? It's something to think about. I mean, part of evangelism is that they need to see something in your life so that when you speak, they can say, yeah, I can see that in you. But if they can't see anything in you and they can't distinguish you from the normal person after you've spent some time with them, then we need to get down with the word and say, come on, God, show me what's going on. I want some transformation in my life. I want some freedom in my life. I want some healing in my mind. I want you to show me something about yourself that I've never seen before. We need to hunger for the Word of God. We need to hunger for the person of Jesus in our lives. If we're hungry for the Word, if we're hungry for Jesus, then we're going to want to bring Jesus to people. But these things 
should help us do that. And it should take all the pressure off us, which really just frees us to go and talk to people. And it becomes so much easier when you don't add all those things in your mind. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you've made relationship easier than what we than what we see it for. Thank you that you've made evangelism easier than what we see it for, that we don't need to put all these extra things on ourselves, that we don't need to add to your word, that we don't need to put the onus of responsibility on ourselves to even convert a person. Father, we can lead a person to Jesus, but we can't force them to accept you. Father, there is a whole community here there are people who have a relationship with you. There are people who believe in you but don't have a relationship with you. There are people who don't want anything to do with you and there are people who have never heard your name. I pray that we have a, a hunger, a, an insatiable desire, Lord God, to bring the gospel into our city. To show how much you care and love about people. To show people that all these things they're searching for, they're not eternal, but that you have the power to change people's lives, that you have the power to set people free from their sin, from their burdens, from their own minds, Lord God, from the trouble we get ourselves into. Lord, there is freedom in you. Help us to be hungry for the gospel. May we not complicate it May we not worry about what if or what may go wrong. May we take it in its simplicity that we may understand it more, but that we may keep it simple to those who would hear it for the first time. That somehow, Father, you would show us a way to relate to people wherever they're at. Not just so that we can sell a product, Lord, as if we don't care, but because we love them with everything we are. May our hearts burn for this. Father, we pray for an influx of souls that would have an encounter with you in this city. Have your way in each of us and build this family, God. Raise this community up from where it is. May we know you deeper and may we bring you to the people that don't know you. In Jesus' name, amen.